1: Today we got one of my favorite subjects, which is psychology. And those of you who know me know that I've studied a bunch of positive psychology and I find it so fascinating that we can look at what makes people happy and not just only how we get them from sad to like kind of okay. And I was really thrilled when I saw a new uh, paper come out here in March about happiness comes from trying to make others feel good rather than yourself. Hmm. So what does that actually mean? Well, it was published in the Journal of Positive Psychology, and I've been so lucky that I managed to get one of the authors on the show today. It's Mila Titova, and she's a former assistant professor at Elon University. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right, but uh, at American University, and she's transitioning now into uh, being an assistant teaching professor at the University of Washington. And she's not only published this paper, but also several others and she knows a bunch of this stuff so uh, I'm really excited Mila thank you so much for coming on the show
0: thank you for having me
1: so how did you get into the field of psychology and why do you suddenly end up studying like what makes someone happy
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I think that oftentimes, so I started being interested in psychology as an undergraduate student, and oftentimes the interest in psychology at that point comes kind of being interested in the abnormal side of psychology, like psychological disorders And this is not something that I was very much interested in from the beginning. I think it's, you know, obviously incredibly important and mental health and taking care of our mental health is incredibly important. We do need people who are going in the clinical side of psychology. However, I was more interested in kind of a day to day for like every single person, like what is the psychology of our day to day decisions? what changes our mood, and things of that nature. So that was kind of what I was interested in as an undergraduate. And also as an undergraduate, I got into doing some psychological research. And I was very fortunate to uh, find my undergraduate advisor at Hiram College, where I got my undergraduate degree. And her name is Acacia Parks. And she is like a person who specializes in positive psychology and positive psychological interventions in particular. And that really sparked my interest in studying happiness and positive psychological interventions, which are kind of a small simple activities that are designed to promote our happiness and mood and we started doing research together and it kind of you know sparked from there and I've never stopped being interested in happiness and like who wouldn't like to me that you know like I, obviously I'm biased this is my area of research but to me, I'm like, who wouldn't want to know what makes us happy, how to improve our happiness, how to make sure that we stay happier for longer, and all of those uh, interesting questions. So to me, that that's kind of what drew me into psychology and into continuing my education post getting my bachelor's degree.
1: I can really relate to that. So I think it was Sean Anker or one of the other um, within positive psychology that I first found, and I was just, I was fascinated. Uh, found Martin Seligman as well about kind of like the father of positive psychology. Or some name him like how can like what can we actually do and how can we figure out instead of like where do we start our test or something that makes us happy? And that's basically what positive psychology kind of gives like some of the keys to like hey we've tested this on a bunch of people and it seems to help. So for me, I started with a gratitude journal. That's one of the things, and I've done that since 2013. And it really just, for me, it's, it's an amazing thing that I don't want to give up. So, but, but going into your research, you came up with this study, Happiness Comes from Trying to Make Others Feel Good Rather Than Yourself. That's a catchy title. And I definitely feel when I'm helping others, it makes me happier than, than doing more things for myself. But tell me a little bit more about the study. What did you figure out and, and what does it actually mean, that, uh, that title?
0: Yeah, so uh, we already knew from previous research kind of uh, what made me think of uh, this particular research question, that we knew that relationship with others are really important for our well-being, good quality relationships. We also knew that doing things for others, like such as pro-social spending, for instance, that uh, there has been a series of studies done by uh, Laura Ackman and Elizabeth Dunn, and they showed that spending money on others in various different ways, and they tested it like so many studies, and it showed that it's better than spending money on ourselves, which is also kind of a counterintuitive finding. But then I was thinking like, well, what about if we take it a little bit further and we actually switch from making ourselves happier and improving our own mood to trying to do that for others. And even kind of framing it in that way, that was kind of a novel thing. So, there has been studies doing looking at prosocial behavior in general, but not necessarily trying to improve somebody else's mood and happiness and that's what uh, we wanted to look at in this study with my collaborator and uh, we started kind of easy with uh, just uh, asking our participants to recall a time when they did something to improve their own mood and happiness or they did something to improve uh, somebody else's mood and happiness and just measure their happiness kind of to the best of their, you know, ability to recall how they felt at that moment. And we did find the difference. We found that those who were recalling the times that they did some something for somebody else's mood and happiness actually reported, at least remembering, feeling happier. But of course that was, you know we can't really rely on memories of people we know. Again, from research, our memories can be a little faulty. We tend to like misremember certain things. So we wanted to uh, kind of get at that question again, but more in real time and in a real experiment. And that's what we did um, in our next study. So we got a bunch of college students and we asked them to either do something to improve their own mood and happiness, or to do something to improve somebody else's mood and happiness, um, kind of, you know, that day. And we kind of gave them those instructions in the morning. We asked them to do it by the end of the day. And then at the end of the day, we actually followed up with uh, uh, another survey where we asked um, how we felt about, did they actually do it? Because that was, you know, an important part of the experiment. And also, of course, we uh, wanted to know how they felt at the end of the day. So we measured their happiness again. And again, we found that in this kind of more real experiment, again, it worked. And those who were improving mood and happiness for others actually reported higher levels of happiness than those who were doing it for themselves. So that was a really nice finding. And it was a bit more interesting than just recalling as well. So that was a, a kind of a good finding. And we were happy to see that our hypothesis were supported.
1: And then you went a bit further. To, to see like, because one of the factors is when I read the paper as well, that we know that being together with other people can be a factor of making us more happy. So you yes. went into as well looking at, okay, so how can we take out that factor to make sure that it's not just a social aspect of being around someone that makes us feel more happy?
0: Yes. So in one variation of that study that I just talked about, we actually had a, a, a one more condition, an additional condition, where we asked participants to just socialize with someone. And we found that that was not quite cutting it. So just socializing was not uh, producing as much happiness for our participants as actually actively trying to improve mood and happiness of others. And the reason that we think that that is happening is because simply socializing. So like if you think of like, what do we mean by simply socializing? It's just spending kind of this passive time with others, I would say. So it could be like watching a TV show together, doing something side by side, kind of that kind of stuff. But when we try to improve mood and happiness of others, we have really high quality social interactions. So this is something that where is a lot of intent put into it. We know, we kind of monitor how the people, you know, respond. We think that we're doing something special for them and not just kind of, you know, our mere presence and that's enough. So we found that the relatedness between people, what we call it, you know, in, in psychology was higher for that condition where people were trying to improve mood and happiness of others, which basically means that the quality of their relationship, the connectedness that people felt to the person who they were interacting with was much higher Mm. comparing to just simply socializing.
1: Fascinating. So I know I shared this study with a few of my friends and one of the first comments I got back was like, well, you can't only just do stuff from others all the entire time. You have to take care of yourself. And I read this full study. So you're in no way concluding that. And I think most of us know that For many people, they also have the challenge to remember to take care of themselves and not only do something from others. So how does that contradict or how does that work together with the study?
0: Yeah. And that's a common kind of criticism that you might hear when you say something like that. By no means, we think that the person should completely forget about themselves and just constantly you know, do things for others and never take time for themselves. It's just more that what we're thinking about is that at those times when you might feel kind of down, you feel like you need that pick me up. You need to improve your mood and happiness. Oftentimes what we think about is just oh, I'm going to do something for myself. I'm going to go take that bubble bath, you know, watch my favorite show, something, you know, that people kind of do those immediate gratification type pleasures. But what our research shows that in those moments, it's not that someone's like telling you to, you know, serve to their needs or anything like that. No, you choose yourself. It's a very autonomous thing that we do. It's our own decision that we choose for ourselves. We are like, okay, I'm not feeling the best. I need to improve my mood. How about I do something important for my roommate, for my significant other? How about I call my mom? That's what some of our participants did in the study. You know, we were talking about college students who are away from home. So just simply, they know that their mom is going to be happy when they call her, right? And it's not that kind of, you know, like reaction to serving or really being kind of in This position of really doing something for others when you're like not considering yourself. So when you Mm. think about those things, it really is not just constantly forgetting about yourself, is this high quality connection that you know is going to do something good for you and for the other person. So you're kind of like doubling up almost on, you know, spreading happiness and kind of improving everybody's mood because you're improving mood and happiness of the person who you're doing it for and also for yourself.
1: Yeah. Makes sense. Do we know anything about what kind of acts of like kindness or making other, feel, other people feel better that has the highest effect or was the study too small? Do we have any kind of hypothesis about like this seems to be something that makes a bigger difference than others?
0: Yeah, we tried to look at various things. So we kind of read through all of the things that our participants said that they did and we coded them in different ways. Like did that involve, we also asked them, did you spend money on the person? And that ended up like when, when we ran all our statistical models, none of that mattered. How much time they spent, how much money they spent is just kind of the sheer act of doing it. So for instance, again, kind of going back to the example, someone called their mom, maybe they were on the phone with, you know, their mom for, I don't know, 10 minutes, somebody else took their friend out for dinner that, you know, One thing was free and kind of small and fast. The other thing involved some money and probably took, you know, at least an hour, but we didn't find any kind of qualitative differences between the two because it's kind of the the thought that counts almost, you know, (laughs) the fact that you did this, something kind of went out of your way and did something special for, you know, that other person in your life.
1: That's fantastic. That means there's a lot of opportunities for all of us to, uh, to just actually act on that. I guess where it's like, if someone is feeling sad about feeling that they're giving all the time, that's when they shouldn't just go focus on giving more to that person. But in many other cases, basically what the study says is, do something for others as well will will make you more happy. I think some of, at least some of the theories that I heard is also like the feeling of agency and actually having the possibility of being useful and, and that it give perspective to your own life that like there's something innate in us human beings that we want to be useful to others, right? And we also yes. see our life in a different perspective if we're doing something good for others.
0: Yes, and there is actually kind of more newer research that suggests that uh, we actually have this like psychological need for beneficence, meaning helping others. And there has been uh, studies done by Frank Martala and Rich Ryan. Who looked at this kind of potential need for beneficence. And I also done some studies kind of looking at that as well. And what we found in the studies that I have done is that if you want to help and you don't get to help, we kind of it affects our well-being in a negative way, right? So it's kind of, we don't feel so good when we don't get to act on our desires to help others. So it is something, and kind of suggested it's something that just we as humans need. We're social species. We are kind of hardwired to want to be with others, to be helpful to others, and to be of need for others as well.
1: That's definitely something I can resonate with as well. I, I, I feel the most when I'm contributing to others. Um, that's also when my happiness level is the highest together with when I'm kitesurfing. So, uh, so I think most of us can kind of resonate with that. What's yeah. some of the other fascinating research that's coming out within the positive psychology? Either some of the stuff that you have done or other things where you're like this is something more people should know to live a happier life?
0: I really like this new research on beneficence. I mean, again, I'm kind of biased. you know I've been kind of in it, and it's just the way it kind of came out, like I was already thinking about those studies and kind of the study that we've talked about in terms of improving other people's happiness. But we, as psychologists, we're always interested in, well, why? Why is everything happening, right? So here it kind of comes so, it's such a well, good fit to everything that I'm interested in and this kind of need for being pro-social, need, being helpful to others. So it's not just being connected to others, but also being useful to other people, having the this need to contribute in this beneficence way to the society as a whole. And yeah, this research is like, I, I, again, find it completely fascinating, kind of suggesting that it's, it's not just something that, you know, kind of makes us feel good, but that is actually this fundamental psychological need, along with some other needs that have been already kind of very well established within psychological research, which include autonomy. And we've talked a little bit about that a sense of agency, right, that, you know, we do what we do and we choose what we do. And also a sense of competence that, again, connects to this, that, you know, we are actually good at what we are doing. And then sense of relatedness that I also talked about quite a bit where we want to feel like we're connected to others. There are other people who we matter for and they matter for us. And there's someone that we can rely on and kind of find them in the time of need. And then there's this kind of proposed fourth need for beneficence, which I think that all together they're just really can explain a lot of the things that people want to do and how we can kind of achieve the happiest lives that we can
1: mm. so i know in research because it's hard because you um it's often hard to get a research to say like this is how life is this is what you should do because <laughs> <laughs> there's so many variables so many things that hasn't been tested so it's always like what's the population that we looked in and that's going to change and so mm-hmm. on um, but if you then took kind of like what you can say from a scientific standpoint but like practical standpoint for what you've seen what could be a recommendation would that be like try and do something like once a week at least that benefits other um or that you're helping other or twice a week or three times a week or like small like anything that we could kind of prescribe and not really prescribe but kind of recommend people to test
0: Yeah, you're totally right that, yeah, as researchers, we're like, I'm not telling you the number, (laughs) I don't have the data, but honestly, I think that it's just, you, you know, there's no maybe number, and it might be different from everybody, but just kind of keeping that in mind, which I think that, especially with that research about making others happier, what, it's just so counterintuitive, oftentimes when you're like, okay, I am not feeling my best, I want to improve my own, Mood and happiness, let me kind of stay within me, not talk to anyone until I feel better. So that is often kind of the approach that people naturally have. So my advice is, Try to not get into that pattern. Yes, this might have been your natural response, but think about those findings. Think about that actually doing something for others might be the best way to improving your happiness. So don't wait until you've done something for yourself until you kind of reach out for to others. But just... Switch the focus, right? And try to help others and just do it whenever you remember, whenever you can, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so like don't you know don't try to schedule your you know pro social deeds, but just you remember, you do it, you know, kind of just just think about it, I would say. Yeah. That would that would <clears throat> be a great start.
1: Awareness is the first point that you know about it and then you can try and act on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so like that's a concrete advice that you actually try and do something good for others. We know that a gratitude journal is something that works quite well that's very concrete people can do. I know some of the research says that it helps the most if you do it three times a week uh, more than if you do it every single day. But I also know that the studies are done on university students and they had to do it over six weeks or eight weeks. And some people feel a little bit stressed about having to do it every day. Where most people, when they get into the routine, they actually prefer to do it every day. What's something else concrete like applicable from, from positive psychology of studies that you have seen with like you can do this little thing in your life and it's probably going to make you more happy. So someone is listening and be like, okay, I want to implement being nice to people, uh, Mm -hmm. helping others, and I want to implement this other thing.
0: Yeah, I actually like the combination of the gratitude journal and kind of being it other focused. So what one thing that you can, especially for people who are in relationships, a wonderful thing you can do, you can literally kind of have a gratitude journal towards your partner. So like, let's say I am thankful for, you know, this thing today and that thing tomorrow and that thing, and then just give it to your partner at some point, you know, so this way you have, you kind of get two sides of the coin, right? You, so you're getting your gratitude journal going, you get that part there, right? So you're, you're yourself benefiting. And then you can get the this quality relationship kind of input by sharing it with your partner i'm sure you know they or you can do it for your like mom or you know roommate anybody right so just like anyone who you think and you know you know we we usually know people we know who would like respond to that pretty well yes. <laughs> so yeah so kind of doing that and i think that kind of again gets the relationship portion Taking care of. And again, relationships are important for our happiness and also the gratitude as well. So I like that kind of activity, especially also kind of going off to what you said, that some studies show that it can, like if you do the gratitude journal for a while, maybe in a like college student, it can feel like a little bit burdensome. So here's a new thing to try for people who have done gratitude journal, but maybe not this variation of it.
1: I like it. It's very simple. And I, I think it's so important to remember to to tell the people that we are close to what we're grateful for and that we really care about them, right? Not all cultures are like, not everyone that grows up learning to do that kind of stuff. So that's an easy way to kind of do it and and set it up so so you can do something nice. And I guess that also kind of go hand in hand with some of the other advice of like, potentially write a letter, Mm -hmm. like whether it's like your old school teacher, someone else that you were grateful for that did something special for you, right? They both have like the gratefulness of writing down why you're grateful for what they did And you're actually doing something good for someone else, right? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Have you ever made such a letter? I've I've, uh, started on one a few times, but I still need to send it to my old uh, school teacher, Daniela.
0: Yeah, I thought about it many times so I, 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 a lot of my gratitude is kind of like in my head <laughs> so I tell, sometimes I think and sit and think about it and I've read a bunch of emails gratitude emails which is you know it's it's a letter right yeah. but n- not the handwritten one yeah I have haven't done that one which I think it's in today's day and age. Doing something handwritten, it's like this whole another level just of uh, effort. Uh, but I think that, you know, emails are still great, even a text message. I think it's, and I think that there is some research uh, that shows that it doesn't really matter how you deliver it necessarily. It's just the, you know, kind of expressing gratitude and, or, you know, you don't even have to deliver it. It's just kind of being with it thinking about it, really appreciating the person, the moment, whatever you, you know, you're grateful for is really important.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, like, I think an email or whether it's in the video or something else, I think it's the act of doing it. Mm-hmm. I was thinking back to where uh, the study and the recommendation of like, if you're not feeling so good, do something good for you, for others. Like, mm-hmm. where is that balance when someone is too unbalanced to be able to do something good for others? Is there like, do we know anything about that? Or do you still think no matter how bad you're feeling, doing something good for others instead of like taking care of yourself will be better for you? And and I know kind of we see like homeless people in Denmark, we don't have a lot of homeless people, but they're also often some of the most um, uh, what is it, generous people. Mm-hmm. But they have very little, but that little they have they often share, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I can answer this question kind of based on the data that we had. No. I mean, on average for all of our participants, it's just, you know, kind of when we compare the two groups, we find that people who were doing things for others, it was, you know, working better for them. But yeah, I don't know. I can kind of like think of the situations maybe, you know, if a a person's like really you know, depressed or something like that. But again, I don't work with clinical populations, So that's probably not, you know, not my area of expertise. So I don't want to, you know, overstep my boundaries or anything like that. But I think that for, if we're thinking of a situation where, you know, it's just, you know, a person is not clinically depressed, and it's just, you know, having a bad day, I think that shouldn't be a problem to kind of go for that route. But yeah, I, again, I don't want to recommend more on that. something that I don't know <laughs> anything about.
1: <laughs> I was also thinking more about the people that are clinically depressed or, or have other mental issues, like whether there's situations where they're probably in the place where they should focus more on getting their own regimes. I still believe, this, as your study found, like again, helping others give you that feeling of that you're useful and mm-hmm. and that you have a purpose that's bigger than yourself. And uh, where if you only focus on yourself, it's easier to, be, to continue to be sad, right?
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. that
1: wasn't to say that people that are clinically depressed are only thinking about themselves. There can be a million reasons um, why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what is the next kind of studies that you would like to engage in? Like, what what do we need to figure out within psychology that you're going to be chasing next?
0: Oh, that's that's a good question. Uh, so I've been very interested in the beneficence need uh, lately. So that has been kind of my late, late late studies, really looking at that. So, yeah, I actually am working with an undergraduate student right now. So she's kind of trying to kind of pass on the baton to, to her in terms of happiness studies. And yeah, so we are kind of trying to dig deeper in terms of trying to figure out where what happens to people when they don't get an opportunity to help. Is it unique to trying to help? Or is it more like that a person has a goal and they can't reach that goal? Is it specific to helping goal or is it like any goal and so that is something that we're kind of trying to figure out now in our ongoing studies so I'm really interested in that kind of other side of like what happens when we don't get to help yeah mm-hmm.
1: Mila apart from your studies what do you do in your own life to uh, to live a happy life do you have any routines or is it just every day is like different or anything you do like that you have to focus on
0: I honestly, a big proponent of exercising <laughs> for happiness. I, I know, and I mean, there's so much research that says that it's great for us. So yeah, that that is something that really helps me. I start every morning pretty much from, you know, spending at least like an hour of exercise and I really- Any special
1: exercise or just some kind of movement?
0: Yeah, well, I- do CrossFit and I do running. So kind of both of those. And I, I really don't want to be that stereotypical person who does CrossFit and just goes everywhere and just talks about it. But what I, I, understand why it works for me so well from a researcher perspective, because it has a huge community component that you don't get with the, you know, going to a regular gym when you just put your headphones in, you don't look at anybody, you just go in, you know, lift your weights and leave. What I love about CrossFit, and it, it can be found in other exercise communities of, you know, similar type, it's a certain time that we all come in. So I get my little group of people who I see every day, we come in, we sweat together, we chat, you know, we kind of become friends. And I think that is a very important part of it. So it's, you know, we know the exercise help, we know, you know, having good community really helps for our well-being as well. So I think that I'm getting like, the best of both worlds. And, and then when I go on my runs, it's more of a, like this meditative kind of state of, you know, just being in nature and having a little bit of time to myself as well. I mean, if you, in case you haven't understood, I'm very extroverted. So I do like being around people. It's not everybody's cup of tea. I also understand that, you know, individual differences are important and we need to find, you know, whatever is our best fit, but I do like, Yeah, being surrounded by people and having good community.
1: I definitely follow on that, and it's funny that you're mentioning CrossFit. I had a coaching client um, the other day where we were actually discussing about community and what are sports where you really build a strong community. And I mentioned CrossFit as at least what I've tried is one of the places where you get one of the strongest communities because, like, you show up at the same times and you're giving yourself like 110 percent, right? or at least you're like pushing your boundaries. And that creates a kind of unity faster. So just like people that go to the military or people like that work on a really hard project together. Like that kind of like you go through some kind of hardship and you're cheering for each other. And I think that's why CrossFit also got so big was because you get a different level of community in that. So it's fun to hear you saying that as well, because that was kind of a discussion I had, uh, I had a while ago.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that, yeah, that definitely what makes it unique. And I agree totally that kind of going through this hard thing together and yeah. And especially, yeah, there is always like, no one leaves until everybody's done. Everyone is cheering on to, you know, for everybody. And, and I think it's a, it's a big, big community building thing and it, it does really help to kind of feel like you belong somewhere, which is mm. also very important.
1: Super important. Mm -hmm. And I think we definitely all feel that like at least Mm -hmm. when I've been my heaviest, it's also been when I have kind of not had the most time, but I really feel like the strongest community bond, uh, Mm -hmm. being with someone and actually being on a mission of uh, of accomplishing something, whether it's then lifting some weights, doing some uh, burpees or something else, or it's (laughs) (laughs) working on some kind of project or whatever it is. It does definitely something that I can feel makes a difference for how high my happiness and meaning is yeah so Mila time is running Um, before we round off if you had to finish off with like one advice for the listeners or one to three advice about how to live a healthy life or happy life you kind of gave some so it can be the same from uh, from the start of the podcast
0: yeah I think just you know just not forgetting about your well-being is very important especially now with the pandemic you know it's been a hard time for everybody so I think that kind of recognizing that is important. And also, I think, again, kind of, I'm reiterating the same points, but relationships are important for our well-being. And we've all been pretty isolated due to kind of the pandemic, like a lot of people were not able to see their family. And that is, you know, it's going to take a toll on us. So, but also remembering that with, you know, modern technology, we do have ways to connect to each other. So it doesn't have to be face-to-face. Yes, face-to-face is good (laughs) and probably better but it's better to have some kind of connection to others and do things nice things for others and being helpful even if you know if, if, if it's from far away it's still better than nothing so i think that that is something that especially helps us to kind of maintain this feeling of connectedness to others in this difficult time
1: agree fantastic mila where can people find out more about you is that possible? I know there's like the ResearchGate where we can go follow your uh, your studies.
0: Yeah, I mean you can follow me on ResearchGate. I have a website if you just google my name, you can find it. I usually try to keep it updated in terms of my papers that are like scientific papers that are published in scientific journals as well as any kind of more media outreach that is covering my research. So this podcast, if you have a link, will probably end up on there. <laughs> so I usually try to kind of keep keep tabs on uh, things that are kind of covering my research in, you know, on in the internet, podcast, you name it. So, yeah. And, you know, if uh, anyone is a University of Washington student can take my classes in the fall.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. I'll make sure to link to your website as well so people can find that. Nina, yeah. thank you so much, first of all, for doing the research. So the rest of us can be kind of lazy and just like quickly learn about the tips. And then thank you very much for also coming here on the podcast and sharing some of them.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.